Mrs. Adam, my son, he'll be preaching to you later. Um, he's come from Scotland. He and his wife and his little one-year-old Finn, who's delightful, um, stay in Scotland and they've come out to visit. And Alan works for Solus, a group that's involved with evangelism, getting the gospel out to as many people as possible. So um, I'm certainly looking forward to what he has to say for us. And Alan spent most of his time in New Zealand and then has traveled overseas and done all sorts of interesting and fascinating things that have taken a long time to tell you where he's been and what he's done. But he's here today and I'm looking forward to what he has to say. Thank you. Well, they say that when you um, propose to your partner, it's uh, one of the most nerve-wracking days of your life. Uh, me being me, I thought, ah, how hard can it be? Do a piece of cake. In the event, it didn't turn out uh, as I thought it would. Uh, I'm a big fan of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Uh, my wife, Scottish, came over from Scotland, big fan of Hobbit, Lord of the Rings. We had a big youth event called Extend down south and I thought this would be the perfect place to do it so I had it all prepared. In my mind I had it all planned how it was going to work, it was going to be amazing, it was going to be unique, we were going to do it in Bill Baggins' little hobble or whatever you call it. I could go on with a story but it's a long, embarrassing, uh, highly embarrassing story. Uh, so I'll just get to the, the important point and the important point is that she said yes. <laughs> and it was a great day. Uh, we, we managed to get through it. Uh, and I proposed to my wife, got down on, on one knee, nervous as can be, and she married me. We've been married about five years, uh, I think. <laughs> uh, and it's been awesome. And just as we come to the word today, if you can just keep, keep that story in the back of your minds. We're going to be having a look this morning at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. And I'd just say it's really nice to be back in New Zealand and seeing the Kiwi ingenuity. No, I've never been to this in Scotland, but that's perfect. It's functional, works, job done. So Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. The, the situation and background here is that Paul uh, has been in prison for his faith. So I'll, I'll read verses 19 and 20. And this is Paul speaking. If you, if you picture him, he's sitting in jail. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare fearlessly as I should. Again. Pray for me, whenever I speak, words may be given me, that I will fearlessly make known the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I, I, I don't know about you, but if I was in prison, I don't think I would react very well. And if I managed to, to talk to my father or, or people that cared about me, I'd be saying, get me out of prison. <laughs> Prison's not much fun. I would really like to get out of prison. It sucks in here. Please, get me out. I, I think the, the example of Paul is, is just amazing and awesome. And, and it's a real 
example of where his heart was and where our hearts should be also. If you look at verse 19, he asks for two things. The first thing that he asks for in verses 19, words may be given to me. So he asks people that he would be in the right place with the Holy Spirit and with the Bible and with God, that he would be able to tell people about God. That, that's what his thinking is. His thinking is not, good night, I'm in prison, good night, what's happening, I want to get out of here. His thinking is, I'm in this situation, how can I glorify it, how can God speak through me to reach people? I think it's pretty amazing. Second thing he asks for, in verses 19, fearlessness. I don't know what translation your has, your Bible has courage, but what he asks for is that the fear would go away. What we find uh, for the organization that I work for when we go around encouraging people to share the good news of Jesus Christ, people are scared. People don't want to do it. And here we have the Apostle Paul, one of the legends in the Bible, one of the guys that used to go around telling people about Jesus. What does he ask for? He asks for confidence. So those are the two things that uh, Paul asked for in verse 19. If we, if we look in verse 20, second thing that he asked for, ambassador in chains I think that the, the word right at the end it's a nice little Greek word and it's the word should so for Paul sharing the good news telling people about Christ is not optional it's something that he should be doing uh, another translation is ought so it, it's something that, that that you should do like it, it, it just should happen <laughs> That's the actual word. And, and for me, again, that's a challenge. If I'm picturing Alan sitting in a prison, I'm not sure that sharing the gospel would, would be top of my agenda, if I'm really honest. It would be escape and digging holes and El Chapo style getting out of that prison. That, 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 that may well be where, where my thoughts are. Uh, so the challenge here is to, to think and, and share the gospel in any situation. And, and Paul's in jail here. Well, what is this thing, the gospel, that I'm talking about? Well, the gospel comes from a Greek word, and it's called euangelion. Euangelion. Uh, and it's a word that we get angel from, uh, angelos. And essentially it means a story or news. So angels, and when you read the Bible, they're running around telling stories and bringing news. And that's pretty much what the euangelion is. It's from the word you in Greek, which is good. So it's good news. It's fairly simple. That's what the gospel is. I think sometimes we make it a bit complicated. But I like simple. <laughs> good news. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. There's salvation for everyone. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes we... Think, uh, and we, we get stuck in what evangelism model to do or, or how we should go about doing evangelism and quite often it's, it's almost like not exactly an excuse but we sometimes spiritualize it or we think oh, we, this, these people don't like this we could do it like this why don't we have another meeting and then maybe in 2023 we could have a shot at going out and doing a sausage <laughs> Uh, I was at a very good conference last year called the Hope of the World Conference and there was a very good 
evangelist called Danielle Strickland, who's one of my favourite um, evangelists in the UK. And she was saying almost the, the Nike slogan of, of what evangelism should be like. She says, Euangelion, the gospel, what is it? It's a story. Can you tell a story? <laughs> You're in trouble if you can't tell a story. So just get out and do it. That was her advice. Just do it, Mikey, get out there. And I think that's, that's great advice. What, what the gospel essentially is, is a new story. People are very good at telling new stories, especially new stories that they like, or that fits into your worldview. Oh, did you hear about this? So it, it should, ought to be something fairly simple to go and show, tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. What is the good news of Jesus Christ? Just briefly, God creates us. Things are going pretty hunky-dory. He gives us free will. Uh, with that free will, uh, Adam and Eve make some pretty unsound decisions and they decide to, to go against what God tells them to do. And that's when sin enters the world, and that's essentially what sin is. Sin is doing something that God tells us not to do. So it's relational. And when we do that, it, it creates a barrier between us and God. Um, the Bible says that all have sinned and fell short, fell short of the glory of God. So we're all in this boat and there's this there's this impediment, there's this wall between us and God. And God doesn't just leave us there. He says, I made you, I care about you. I'm going to send my son, Christ, down to earth. The amazing thing about what Christ will do is that he will die for your sins. Even though you should really be liable, you should be on the hook for being in the sinful situation, I'm going to send my son, he's going to die for your sins. And that's the amazing thing about the gospel. That's where the concept of grace comes in. Um, Romans says that the wages of sin is death, right? So if you work hard well, in a sinful world, what you get, what's your payment? Is death, and, and eternal death and damnation. And that's the, the bad news. But the good news is Christ has come. And when Christ takes on the sin of the world, that, that impediment, that gap between us and him, it goes. And then that act of the cross and the resurrection, which is one of the amazing things about Christianity, sets it apart from all the other religions. In that resurrection event, Christ takes on the sin of the world. He gives us the opportunity to be with Christ and to live like eternally. And that's the amazing thing about the gospel. And it's, the, for my money, the greatest love story ever told. And I think we should be able to go out and tell people just in a few minutes. Do you want to hear the greatest love story ever told? Oh, you do. Bang. And then you're in there. I'd like to share with you this morning three reasons why we should share the gospel. Right, three reasons. We, we, so we know what the gospel is. It's this amazing thing, love story. Let's go tell people why should we do it. First reason we should do it, we should want to do it. We should really want to do it. We should look at the world and see people that are just going around, not really doing much. Uh, in the UK, I saw a thing recently that said this current generation, our young people, our teenagers, they're the most unhopeful, uh, the suicide rates are, are the biggest, uh, they're a bit glum and gloomy, and they were trying to work out why that is, and they were saying, well, maybe it's social media. It's not social media. It's the good news of Christ. We're not teaching our young people about God. We're not sharing them with the, the biblical stories. And so I think that, that's where you should start. Don't do it because Alan says you should do it. Don't do it because Steve Dunn says. Don't do it because other people say you should do it. 
Do it because you really want to do it. Do it because you've had an experience of becoming a Christian and you're just so on fire and you're just buzzing about Christianity and buzzing about the gospel that it just becomes natural. You just want to go and tell people about the good news of Christ. So that's the first reason. The second reason I think we should do it is because Scripture encourages us to do it. Uh, we've seen here in Ephesians 6.19 uh, that even Paul, who the greatest apologist, one of the greatest evangelism exponents of evangelism out there, he was praying, he was looking for confidence, but he was out there doing it, and that's the example for us. Uh, I think a, an excellent example in the Bible of, of why we should do evangelism is called the Great Commission. When Jesus was on earth, he, he did his earthly ministry, uh, and right before he was about to go up to heaven for quite a long time, because <laughs> he's still up there, this was thousands of years ago, he, he talks to his disciples. And anytime you're about to go somewhere for a long time, the words that you say to people are significant, because you're going to be away for a long time. We know this well, because we go up to Scotland for a couple of years, <laughs> so what we say to mum and dad is important, because we're not going to see them for a long time. And what does Jesus say to his disciples as he's about to ascend up into heaven? He says to them, go out everywhere, all this stuff in Scotland, you name it, and make disciples and baptize people. So why should we share the good news? Christ says we should do it. And then the third reason why I think we should share the good news It's a news story, as we've seen. It's a news event. It's a piece of news. So it should be dead simple. This is how we do it. The good thing about a story is that it's yours. Right? This biblical event, the story of the gospel, is 100% accurate. It actually happened. You can't argue with it. You can try. But it's bulletproof. One of my favorite books. Uh, it's called Leading Lawyers Quest for the Gospel. It's by a guy called Ross Clifford. So I've legally trained and uh, I read the book. And a lot of lawyers, they've tried to pick holes and try to work out why the Bible's false. And almost every single one of them have become a Christian as a result of doing it because, because they can't disprove the authority of the Bible and the historicity. So it actually happened. And when you tell your story, if you think back to the uh, story that I told about proposing to my wife and how well that went. <laughs> and it went well because I explained to you that she said yes. But I, I would challenge anyone, I would square up Anthony Joshua style and take on all comers if you try to disprove that. If you try to use philosophy and modal logic and whatever else you could throw at me to say, oh, you didn't actually get married. That didn't actually happen. It's very hard to argue with someone's story. And so one of the reasons I encourage people, and I would encourage you, to share your story about Jesus, about the Gospel, is that no one can argue with you. That's your story. You, you can try all you like. You feel free after this to come and, and argue my day about me marrying my wife. <laughs> I know, because I have a little one-year-old <laughs> who runs around like a little tiger who's full of energy. But I think that's the beauty of a story. That's the beauty of, of a news event. 
you can't argue with it. I, I think a lot of people worry that, well, what if I tell people about Jesus and then they start arguing with me? I don't think you need to worry about that because it's your story and you can own it and they can't actually argue that much with you. I'd like to share a, a couple of examples of, of our culture at the moment. We, we spend a lot of time working out what's going on in society. Um, and there's two, two articles that I'd like to share with you. The first one is by a guy called Jonathan Merritt uh, that he wrote in the New York Times. And the article is entitled, It's Getting Harder and Harder to Talk About God. Have you noticed that? <laughs> it's getting harder and harder to talk about God. Did some research, uh, and, and he just asked people, how are your conversations about God? Are you even having conversations about God? And the responses were, were very interesting. So three quarters of the respondents didn't have any kind of spiritual discussions at all, on a weekly basis. No discussions. So a lot of people, and that's just not about Christianity, that's not about telling people about the gospel, it's just three quarters of people don't really do God, don't really talk about God. And the, the number of people that did talk about God, about 7%. So that's 7%, not that many. And I thought, oh, okay, so the, the glory of this, I was thinking, well, what about Believers, what about committed Christians? So, of committed Christians that responded, 13% had a conversation about spiritual matters, which, which is quite, quite a vague topic. So, if we have a room of about 50 people, maybe five, five people would, would, would talk about spiritual matters. And there's a number of very interesting reasons as to why people said that, and, and you might be able to respond to some of these. So why don't people like to talk about their faith? Conversations create tension or arguments. Media, social media, politics don't have a positive view about Christianity. Don't want to appear religious. Don't want to sound weird. Good one, don't want to sound weird. Uh, and the last one is people didn't want to sound extremist. So that's just a little insight into to the culture that, that we're in at the moment and why people are finding it increasingly more difficult to talk about God. The second article I'd like to share with you is by the same uh, Barnabas group. And by the way, if you want to check out uh, all this data, it's on the Evangelical Alliance uh, website in the United Kingdom. Um, they have a website for the Evangelical Alliance and you can go in there and you can see all the data. And they ask people, what are your perceptions, okay, so what do you think about Jesus and Christians? So they just went out and asked people, what do you think about Christians and Jesus? And I thought, oh, oh my days. <laughs> they would think we are bigots, they would think we are homophobes, they would think this, that, and the other. And the reason I say this is that Scotland, at apropos compared to New Zealand, is very progressed, it's very liberal, uh, and that's not a good thing for the Christian faith, because it, it's actually quite uh, toxic, it's quite anti-religious, like people will be very up in your face, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's a tough environment, and one of the reasons I say this is I was walking home one day and I saw a sign, and the sign said, 
dear bigots, you can't share your religious hatred here. End of sermon. And it was all in a biblical font. Right? So that's what it says. Dear bigots, i.e. people like me, you can't share your religious hatred, as in you're a bunch of haters. End of sermon. As in mocking you because you're a Christian. And all done in a biblical font. Right? So in, in Scotland, that, that's a, a, a bit of the, the, the culture, a, a bit of what we're up against. What was amazing was that in, in the research, this wasn't what uh, people said. So people were asked, one person, what do you think about these Christian people? And the majority of people thought that we're great, that they think we're amazing, that they use terms such as friendly, caring, good-humoured, generous, helpful. Right? Well, that, that, that's what people think about us. Friendly, caring, good-humoured, generous, helpful. The other amazing thing was that a significant amount of people were open to hearing about the gospel. People actually said, we, we want to know more about this good news. We want to know more about the Bible. So but my takeaway from this is that people are ignorant. A, a lot of people, this is a generalization, but especially in the UK and New Zealand as well, people are ignorant of the gospel, they don't really know, but they actually have a positive view of, of us as Christians and believers, and they want to know more. The, the, they want to hear about the gospel. And so we need to, we need to marry up these two things. Uh, we need to connect, on the one hand, our disconnect with not wanting to, to share the gospel, and then connect the people's willingness to hear the good news. So you've got people that like us, they want to hear the good news, but you've got us a bit scared and a bit worried, why don't we share the good news? John Stott has put Ephesians 6 verses 19 and 20 very well, uh, talking about the, the confidence that we need to share the good news and looking for the right words and, and being courageous to actually share the good news. And he says this, Clarity without courage is like sunshine in the desert. Plenty of light, but nothing worth looking at. Courage without clarity is like a beautiful landscape at night time. Plenty to see, but you can't actually see anything because it's stuck. What is needed in the pulpits of the world today, and I would add what's needed in the churches of the world today, is a combination of clarity and courage. Paul asked the Ephesians to pray that these might be given to him, for he recognized them as the gifts of God. So I work for, as Dad was saying, an organization called Solus, which means in Gaelic. Uh, Gaelic is what I used to call Gaelic, which is what they speak uh, in, up in the north of Scotland. I called it Gaelic a few times in Scotland and I was very quickly put in, put in my place and they explained to me it's garlic, but it's like the vegetable that you use for cooking, but it's garlic, so, okay, so very, very clear to call it garlic, uh, but it means light and, and we go out and we share the gospel and we share the good news and, and my impression of what's happening certainly in Scotland the rest of the UK is that it's a bit like when Jesus died and the disciples didn't know what to do. 
So what do they do? They huddle in a little room upstairs and they lock the door. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the situation in New Zealand is. Uh, I don't know the situation here, but I, I think it's fairly, fairly similar. Um, people are just, just a bit worried. A, a bit, uh, it's, it's difficult to, to get out there and actually share your faith. Uh, so I'd like to share a couple of stories with you guys this morning to, to maybe encourage you uh, about what we're doing. Uh, getting into universities is getting harder and harder in Scotland and in the UK or in, anywhere actually. We, we do a lot of work in Canada and America. There was a professor at a university in the south of England uh, recently and he lost his job. The reason he lost his job because his thoughts didn't marry up with the values of the university uh, and the values of the university is that they um, were pro-abortion and they expected all of their staff to support abortion. So this guy lost his job uh, because he didn't support abortion. So, that, so that's kind of where the culture is. And so every time we go into university we're a bit, we're a bit worried. We went into one of the biggest universities, Abertay University, and we did a talk on this issue actually. We, we, we took the the pro-choice um, side, so that um, the just saying that abortion is, is, is not a great thing and, and the right to life and, and the biblical right to life. At the start of the debate, people were very anti them. It was interesting that they did a, a poll beforehand, and beforehand people thought, oh, you, you guys, what are you on about? Like, obviously, abortion should be a right. And at the end, people had actually switched. It was just incredible. And the place was packed out. One of the biggest auditoriums in the whole uni, completely packed out with people, and it was a really good event, done in a really good spirit, um, not argumentative, there no riots or anything, it was just a good, good discussion, good debate. And then afterwards, the Chancellor came up to us and said, well, what's your secret? How, how do you do that? How do you get all these people to, to come along to an event? Uh, and we said, well, we don't know, but we'll come again next year. <laughs> So we're just seeing amazing inroads, and um, personally too, I sometimes think that when we think of an evangelist, and we think of sharing the good news, we think of pastors and ministers and guys that do it full time, and we think of J. John going into Arsenal football stadium and coming over to New Zealand and talking to a whole lot of people. But I would encourage you to think of an evangelist as yourself. You are all evangelists. The gospel, what is the gospel? The gospel is a story. And if you're able to tell a story, if you're able to talk about the news, you're able to be an evangelist. You're able to go out and tell a story. Uh, and, and that's what I, I do in, in my normal day. Um, we used to have some giant continental rabbits. And these, these things, they started huge and then they get progressively bigger. And they're, they're massive. They look like little dogs. <laughs> but they were great pets. Uh, and we got a joiner, so someone who's good with work, to come around and fix us a little rabbit run so that the rabbits could run outside, eat up all the grass, and then run, run back inside. And the guy that we had come around, uh, complete atheist, didn't know the first thing about religion or Christianity. I got talking to him about what I did and what I do. Uh, and, and just probably putting these principles into practice, I... Uh, was in tune with, with God, I was kind of aware of my environment, um, prayed for confidence at, at that time, 
and uh, I, I just shared with the guy the good news. I gave him, this is the good news, we're all sinners, there's this gap. And you can tell, he was just soaking it all in. And since then, we've had some hour-long conversations about heaven, hell. Uh, it's just incredible how, how people, that you might not know where they are, if they're open. If you just feel like the Holy Spirit is moving, you can have those conversations. I had it with this guy, he's now become a mate of mine. He supports our organization, which is just incredible. So that's just someone that I randomly met doing some work for our buddies, uh, who are now having the conversations with, and he's, he's supporting a Christian organization. So you, you never know what, what God can do, and, and God is moving. You know, God is working in the UK, especially in Scotland, and with our organization. It's, it's just awesome to see what he's doing. I wish I had more time to, to share all the amazing things that God is doing. Uh, what I'd like to, to reiterate, to, to really share with you guys, is that it is doable. Uh, being evangelist, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ is something, even in 2019, in our day and age, that, that can happen. Uh, and it can really transform lives. And, and what keeps me going, and what I'm excited about, is seeing a life transformed by Christ. There's, there's nothing quite like that. Well, well, how do we do it? Uh, I think to share the good news of, of Christ, you need to be rooted in prayer uh, and rooted in the Word. So you, you need to be uh, doing your devotions and you need to be praying ceaselessly. We, we see that with Paul. Paul was asking for clarity. He was asking for the right words to say. Uh, he, he knew his Bible very well. And he was praying. And he wasn't just praying for himself. He was asking other people to pray for him. Hugely challenging for me. In verse 20, please pray for me that I'll share the good news like I should. I was doing that as a quiet time with my wife. And we were just both hugely challenged. Are we doing that? Are we sharing the good news of Christ like, like we should? Like we ought to? So yeah, it's something of a, of a challenge for us. If you keep rooted in the Bible, praying a lot, getting other people to pray for you, it's definitely doable. Uh, and finally, I'd look at some, some resources. And, um, evangelism is, is such a great tool. Uh, I went to a church in Luxembourg that, that reminds me a lot of this church. And we started off uh, in a place like this. Uh, it was amazing what God has done subsequently, but what really moved the church and built up God's kingdom in Luxembourg uh, was people telling the good news of God and doing it outside of church. So we'd organize outreach events, we'd go uh, have curry evenings, uh, we'd go to coffee shops, have a speaker, and just have a young, a nice non-threatening environment where it's relaxed uh, and people came to faith and then God really built So just to, to wrap up, the gospel is really an amazing story. Um, saving grace is one of the most awesome concepts that, that I know of. Uh, and if you are a believer and, and, you, and you think these things are real, you should be excited and passionate about it. And you should be out there sharing your story with people. Uh, and yet, after a, a few decades now of ministry, I've not had anyone come back to me and say, Alan, I, I went and told a story, I, I shared my story about God, and someone contradicted me. <laughs> someone got academic and theological and philosophical and contradicted me. Did you come? It's your story and you can own it. 
Uh, and my encouragement to you guys would be to, to stick to the word, stick to praying, uh, and God can really move through you and He can do awesome things in this community and, and beyond. Should we pray? God, we thank you for, for the gospel. We, we thank you for your word. We, we thank you that a few thousand years later we can meet uh, in sunny New Zealand and share the good news and, and, and worship you and, and pray. And we thank you for, for your story. We thank you for your son. And we just pray that we would have the confidence to, to tell our friends about the good news. And that we would just do that on, on a diligent basis and do it like Paul said that we should. And we pray that you would fix us and keep us.